0: Let's go, guys. Hey, yo, folks, it's the phone doing most. It is Thursday, November 24th. So, you're going to note that I do not have my brilliant and wonderful co host, the one, the only, the stark, raving mad one himself, Brian, my good buddy. But I am joined by a special guest host for today's episode, the one, the only, you've heard him on the show before the Swiss dictator himself, Robert the Elmer. How's it going, buddy?
1: It's going really good Uh, this last year, so I've been really getting into Bolt Action. That's become my main game, really.
0: Yeah, Bolt Action. So that's why we're here to talk today. We're going to go ahead and do a little bit of tournament coverage for Bolt Action. So it's been a little while since uh we've had any kind of real tournament play for anybody on the bolt action side so as you know uh, the show is kind of moving towards a bolt action format we more and more are are seeing that talked on on the show i think we'll see some conflict 47 in the future but today uh uh, robert you went to a tournament recently Mm -hmm. that tournament was
1: operation sting back in october
0: Okay, so Operation Sting, is it was held in uh, the Chicagoland area.
1: Northbrook, same place they hold Blood in the Sun.
0: Well, used to hold Blood in the Sun anyways. Another one of those classic tournaments that have have now went extinct that were from our Warhammer Fantasy days. Uh, But beautiful venue. I I Mm -hmm. love playing tournaments and events there. I've tried to get there the last two years in a row, but just have missed it both years.
1: It is a nice venue. It's actually, the thing is, I also knew exactly where to park to make my life a million times easier when I showed up, too.
0: Yeah, it definitely helps. So, let's go ahead and, and real quick, before we get too much into the tournament talk, what have you been up to hobby-wise? Have you done doing anything good and creative?
1: Uh, my main projects right now, these days, uh, I was painting some Full Thrust Fleets for myself, which is a space combat game that's been around since the 90s. Rules are free online. I do recommend it. Also, my dad, he doesn't really paint anymore, so I've been painting a Thoroughbred Miniatures Ironclad Civil War Naval for him. And then I've been talking to one of our fantasy friends, uh, David Narek. He and I might be doing French and Indian as well.
0: That sounds very cool, very that's awesome. So, very much on the historical side of things, getting back to your old original game groups, uh, gaming gaming mm-hmm. roots, I should say. Uh something that I don't know if the listeners out there really know about you, but you really more you started from the historical side of of wargaming and not the and so you really right. with the de- with the uh end of Warhammer Fantasy as a game. Uh kind of
1: returning to my roots I've been exactly. doing historical gaming since 94 if that puts a time frame on
0: it yeah so so a long time so for myself i can tell you the the big things i've been working on so we'll talk a little bit more about it in the next episode but i got my kickstarter for drop fleet commander which is by hawk war games and uh if you're familiar with their other game uh which is drop zone commander it's a drop fleet commander is a spaceship game uh very it feels very when i wait there's definite drop zone commander elements since i play that game as well in it but there are also some some elements from the old Battlefleet gothic game by games workshop and and no coincidence because it's the same author or one of the that also helped co-create uh drop uh fleet commander so uh, very look very much looking forward to it. Uh, actually, tomorrow I'll be getting a my first game of it in. I've got the the starter box, or the, basically the two player starter set set up and ready to go. We're gonna try a game and try to get our feel for for it, and and uh, I'll probably have a little more feedback on the next episode about what about this game and what it's like. So uh, the other thing that I got is another Kickstarter that just showed up. So the Conan the board game uh, Kickstarter, which has a ridiculous amount of miniatures. Uh, and I say ridiculous for a Kickstarter, like, oh my goodness, but it's by Monolith Games. It's probably one of the first board games where you actually get to play as Conan and and or one of Conan's compatriots uh, in the game. Rather than most board games, they feature Conan, but you're really not playing him because he's just off doing things around the world or whatever, and you're really just you're playing in the setting, but you're not him. This one you get to actually play Conan, which is really cool. Uh, I did say ridiculous amount of miniatures. I don't remember what I paid for backing on this thing on the Kickstarter, but the board game itself comes with a hundred and some figures, um, and I believe it's going to retail. It's a big. It's one. It's not quite a full size. Coffin box game, but it's it's like a three-quarter coffin box for the base starter game, and that's like 105 miniatures for the base game that's out there and will be out for retail, and then the Kickstarter then came with an extra 115 figures and a second Kickstarter exclusive box. And then another figure bonus, and I have more. Like, there's a wave two of Kickstarter goodies yet coming that they haven't finished <laughs> completing yet. You can almost
1: do an entire Warhammer army with all those. Oh, it's
0: ridiculous, and it's it, it, and you don't use all the miniatures in every game. Uh, so the, you have like there are four maps I think in the base game, and an extra two maps in the second in the Kickstarter exclusive stuff that you can play different scenarios with, and different fig, different figures get played. Uh, in each scenario, based on uh the scenario you 're playing and you're you're basically replaying either you know really stories from the Conan books and the the conan uh stuff from uh, robert howard and and
1: uh i 'm only familiar with the film so yeah
0: so it's 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 really getting back into that you really get into that kind of conan feel of 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 the stories and books, and I was already looking at it and going. Man, this would be really cool to just do it. Even a two-player game with like there was one of the original stories about how he gets like his first sword and he escapes as a slave and it's running from wolves and stuff like that. I'm like, that would be a perfect scenario for this game and to be a real quick like two-player because it's it is a a play it's players versus an overlord player. Yeah, so it's, it's, you kind of, you know, your co op is Cohen and his friends against a, a single player that controls all the bad guys and stuff like that. Okay. The only fault that I find in the entire game is that there isn't really a, a campaign function to it. All the games that you play with it your are going stand-alone. to be one off, they're standalone games, which is honestly, uh, I don't mind that at all. Uh, the original Descent was very much that way. They added it in a campaign later, and it just didn't work really well because you got too powerful in a single camp, camp uh game to to really transition that into a campaign but i'm looking forward to getting it to the table it's super simple or it's re, or from a game mechanic perspective it seems super simple with a huge amount of like resource management and then a trash dice rolling but a lot of ways that you can kind of mitigate past bad dice rolls by uh using your skills and and abilities so that'll be i think it's gonna be fun so that's kind of i've been really reading rules i've been i been painting up some stuff i just got my drop fleet stuff ready to go and on the table and then just other random stuff i've Mm. been been kind of working on i've got a new uh world war ii project that i've uh for bolt action that i've started so uh i've been looking second edition bolt action is coming out is coming out and we've got a review coming here very soon uh of really what all the differences and changes are in bolt action second edition we'll talk about i think Mm. that's going to be the next episode. But also, uh, because of the second edition, uh, I've really went back to kind of my roots, my beginning of bolt action, which was playing Germans and I'm looking at a very early war uh not quite not quite extremely early war but uh, yeah, the uh, german Stalingrad early Stalingrad engagement I've gotten to be kind of a buff or a historical buff and, and, and nerd on the on the eastern front in particular so i'm I'm looking forward to doing that as well so. That kind of what I've been working on. I just got building models, starting to get paint schemes kind of squared away. It's gonna be a long hobby project. I'm trying to paint up things to a very high level on that army, uh, and there's sort of some conversion work and stuff. So it's it's been. You're a gonna slow... make it look
1: good, from what you were telling me.
0: That's a goal. That's a goal. I've got one squad that's like three, yeah, about three quarters finished.
1: One only
0: one thing I've realized is I this I I couldn't find or I didn't I didn't know exactly what. The German green is as far as that green-gray that they had for their actual uniform color. So I went out and bought a Vallejo, uh, whatever their army series for that color. I don't remember what the name of the shade is.
1: I'd have to look at the Flames of War books.
0: I'd have to go look at it too. Remember not liking Vallejo paints back in the day. And I'm like one of only a few out there that say this, but I remember not liking them before. The color, once I got enough coats on the model to come through the white undercoat, looks great. I'm not, the the shade is perfect. It it definitely helped me see the color I want to get it right from from a quasi-historical basis. It's super frustrating, at least from my perspective, to paint with. I am definitely not a fan of Vallejo Paints. Um, And
1: we'll agree to disagree there. I like it personally. So,
0: So, anyways, that's just my... Whatever, but the model, it is coming along. That is my painting hobby project right now. i probably got about 8,000 other miniatures like and <laughs> Malifaux stuff laying around that I need to work on. So you're like a gamer is what built. you're I got, saying. I've got, I've got some other board games laying around that I need to get out. Uh, all that kind of stuff equals a lot of hobby
1: going on. There's here. actually one other project I even forgot to mention. Uh, for a 15 mil rule set called Command Decision, I'm painting Polish troops.
0: Ah, poles. Well, they just get... Driven over by tanks and rolling. Well, war the II, scenario so we're okay. using,
1: the it was actually a Polish victory on the first of September. So,
0: it was an accident.
1: <laughs> they just had anti tank rifles coming out of their keysters.
0: That is probably also true because the German light tanks back then were at the early part in the war were definitely fragile things. If they yes. actually did, if they if you did land hits against them,
1: yeah, anti tank rifles could mess up a Panzer one or two. So. Anyways,
0: with that being said, I, I think that's a lot of hobby we've been getting into and, and doing lately. Uh, we recently had actually uh, some bolt action being mm-hmm. played here at my house uh, for, it was a cozy Invitational is what we called it, but it really was just us playing some pickup games with some really obscure uh, mechanic for scoring and organizing it that really didn't matter at all we just i thought it was fun I, had, I enjoyed it uh, so uh i if you want to go ahead and, and who did you play first
1: yeah uh, the first game i played against brian cooney uh stark raven mad i took that game i actually took my japanese against his americans and he ended up beating me pretty bad he got pretty lucky early on with a really good airstrike that just popped one of my big infantry blobs of Japanese. And once you're on that back foot, it's harder to regain from that point sometimes.
0: Yeah, bolt action is definitely, and I'm seeing this more and more in my second edition games that I didn't see in my first edition games, was that uh, when you start bleeding order dice and you start losing key squads, it's you almost get into a I-now-can't-recover mode uh, more so than I remember feeling like in first edition um, I've had games where I'm in second edition now, and I've played about a dozen, fifteen games of second edition Bolt Action now, and I almost, almost every one of them has been won or lost by turn three or four, um, pretty significantly to the point. Like there, it they might still be worth playing out uh, the game, but it's very decisive by turns three or four, mm. usually as far as. Uh, Order dice lost, gained. They're still like, hey, if my dice gets drawn and I can get this key unit or weapon to go early, also I might be scenario. able to snake it out, but Yeah, die, it hasn't really seemed like the scenario has made that much. I mean this you you're playing for different the scenario makes different it makes the games all different, right? Because mm. you have different objectives and different ways to win. But the it seems like the tipping point happens fast happens at least in all of the games I've played at about that third or fourth turn uh, to the point. In fact, the last time I played Brian was here uh, and uh, with my, I think I was playing Germans against his, uh, actually a, a take on my Stalingrad list, actually against his Americans. And within three turns, he, he effectively tabled me off the board, which is not something that pretty much ever happened Mm -hmm. in first edition. So, and it was definitely one of those airstrike hit, wiped out a squad airstrike second turn or third turn hits wipes out a squad and now all now i'm so I, i'm to the point where now he's pulling order dice here he's got such an order dice advantage in his bag that over mine because i'm literally been getting units obliterated from airstrikes and you know lo- you inevitably lose an order dice or two here or there early in the game as well mm-hmm. now all of a sudden he's got three four five order dice more than me in the bag the odds of him getting a dice and then basically being able to go, okay, I drew a dice, delete a unit. Now you lost one. Now I still have a four or five. Right, dice right. advantage. Oh, Now I'll go delete another unit. Oh, Hey, now you're down to like two dice left by the end of turn three. Have fun. Let's pl- keep playing. No, I, that was definitely... I've seen that more and more happen in 2nd Edition, and I don't know that that's a a result of 2nd Edition, or it's a result of me not list-building appropriately to well, adjust maybe for that. People
1: also getting better with their lists, and once things start going, they're a little better with it too, maybe.
0: Well, I definitely feel like, uh, you know, playing against... uh particularly played against Americans quite a bit, that that's an army that didn't really... Uh, go down. It, it didn't. It, the list that an American player brings doesn't really change from first edition to second edition. No. Whereas my my Soviet list that I wrote for first edition and my or my and then my German list that I'm trying to write for second edition. Um, I'm there are some self handicaps in there because of trying to do thematic lists, right. but also then my like my Soviet list are has it is there are definitely. Playing it, I've played it two, three. I think I've played it two games now, maybe three in second edition. And it's very clear to me after those games and against different armies that I need to go back to the retweak board and just adjust it uh, with some different stuff. So we'll probably talk about that a little bit too later in the game or later in the show. Uh, It's definitely more of a uh, topic for the uh, bolt action. Uh, review, because I think Brian and I are going to actually talk about our lists more in detail on what we feel like we may have to tweak or add into our list right. to adjust. Because I'm kind of the page two,
1: playing yeah. Japanese and German. Speaking of German, second game I played against you. Yeah. I took a German list because I had just finished painting a tiger, and I said, you know what? I want to put this on the table and play it. Now, it's worth noting that these games were
0: 1,250 points, so... It wasn't quite half your force. It's more like a third of the force right. to put a tiger in the list. And it was a rated regular t- tiger. It was as well. a regular tiger. And it's going up against my Soviets, who have nothing <laughs> in the list other than a medium AT gun on a T thirty-four. Medium howitzer. A uh, medium howitzer couldn't scratch it. Oh, that's true. Um, and a
1: take hunter team with And the, Panzerfaust. And a,
0: and the single Panzer Faust in the entire <laughs> list. That I can that I can hurt the thing with, well, I guess I, I guess if my inexperienced squads with AT grenades, if they assaulted it, could potentially kill it.
1: The, uh, that I do want to say maybe the howitzer might be able to keep it pinned at most, maybe
0: one pin at a time though. Uh, he does not do multiple pins against armored Unless targets in Second Edition.
1: Oh, okay, that makes a difference. So I retract that, but. First order of dice of that game. It's just that scene from the movie. The turret on the tiger turns and says, "Oh look, a howitzer!" Boom! What howitzer?
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I did not. It was what a five plus to hit. So I gambled that the odds said you were gonna miss, mm-hmm. and you managed the hit. And then yeah, the whatever it's plus three pen pen three inch template plus three inch three template pen. or three inch template plus three pen. Uh, yeah. It, it ended up smoking all four crew. You didn't roll. I mean, like, there were enough points there where you should have... It should something. You should have failed something where I kept, like, a guy alive, or I kept... Uh, or you just outright missed. That it was worth taking the risk. But, yeah, you knocked out the Howitzer right away, which... Mm-hmm. Which, in the grand scheme of things, probably didn't hurt me that bad, but... It definitely. I think it allowed
1: me to be a little more aggressive in some ways. Yeah, on
0: that side of the board, because that was my that was my weak flank, um, mm-hmm. because it was such an open side of the board. I figured the howitzer, by itself and supported with an MMG, would be able to keep your infantry suppressed or pushed back.
1: And it, I should be noted at the end of the game, I was able to advance on that flank, which basically gave it the result that it gave. Because I was able to advance and get the guys in your deployment zone according to the scenario.
0: Yeah, that was part of the objective was to get guys in the scenario in the, into the opposing uh, into the opposing deployment zone. It was basically so the the scenario just as a kind of a uh, uh, quick uh, follow up was a a uh, uh, standard kill uh, killing units wins scores points mm-hmm. and you have to win by basically three points. Uh, if it's two or two or if it's two to zero points of draw. the difference it's a draw, you lose by more than, uh, more than or three or more than you, the new, uh, you lose, right. Or three or more you win. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, and then there were some secondary objectives because this was written as a tournament scenario. And one of the secondaries was getting, uh, three or more squads into your opponent, opponent's deployment zone, scored you max points for that too. Um. Uh, there were a couple other other objectives based on killing units, but that, that that was kind of meant to keep it so people didn't just sit in deployment zones and just hide fire. all their little EDB teams and stuff. It forced you to kind of play play the game more than mm-hmm. because that's exactly what'll happen in a lot of those kill scenarios. You'll just hunker down with anything that's really weak order dice and and hope that you get a couple of shots to kill something. So yeah, the tiger, Oh, the new tiger fear. So we were playing with the new German book too, which mm-hmm. has the tiger fear rule. That is incredibly annoying for an army that has no weapons to be able to really hurt a tiger.
1: Yeah, and I I think for a while we were not playing it right, or we had been forgetting it even, I
0: think. Yeah, I think so. But it, it did account for like one squad of infantry basically having to go down instead of being able to shoot. It was annoying to have to roll a lot of additional command checks to... To have to be able to with with infantry and small arms units that have nothing they can do it makes sense like thematically it made sense, but it was it was like ah especially annoying especially when like right after you take out the howitzer and then you turn around and drive around this giant ruined factory turn around the corner and oh hi t34 smack it in the front of course i did have i I should note that the the t34 did have i did have opportunities with order dice previous in the turn to move my t34 out of the way i was still kind of gambling at that point and it was still going to be like a 50% chance that you would would get to hit. But it didn't seem like it mattered. Every time you fired that big gun, you hit something. It was, that was kind of crazy. And it was a lot of three, four plus, five plus shots. You just, it was the luck of the dice there. Mm
1: -hmm. And it's just like those scenes from the movies where the tiger's just like, I don't want that to be there anymore. Make it go.
0: Yeah, definitely. But, uh, but I so I ended up losing the game. I thought not it was not horrific. Or no, it was a draw. Yeah, it was a draw. Um we did I, I manage to you, draw because you... we managed to get the kills within I managed to get the kills. I was down by two kill or two order dice. It was that
1: flamethrower. Yep. It was the flamethrower shot of ungodly uh,
0: <laughs> dice yeah, roll. That was so classic. So right at the end of the game, <laughs> I'm definitely losing and I'm gonna lose by like Robert's gonna score max points on me. And so I shoot. Uh, my my MMG has been basically vacating the flank. So that as Robert advances, because like it has four or nothing five pins to support on it, yeah, it's got like four or five pins, and it's just managed. It's a vet team, so it, it's been making its order checks and just slowly getting away or running <laughs> away. It'll turn six. Robert's basically activated everything he can on that flank, and nothing else is left to shoot at it. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna take the the crazy shots here because yeah, I'll roll the dice, bro. And so I roll the dice and I score one, I roll, I need sixes and sixes to hit. So I roll, I got one hit out of my like five shots. I roll sixes. Hey, I got one, like one six. Got to pick up that dice again, roll it again. Boom. It's a six again. Hey, I hit. Veteran team. I hit the flamethrower. So it's veteran team. So I need to roll five or six to wound. Boom. Roll six to wound. Ah, chance for exceptional damage. Boom! Roll another six. six! Just take it off. <laughs> I actually had to move up my truck into that deployment zone just so I could get that extra objective point. Truck should be thankful that MMG team didn't have any more shots left or it to knock it out, too. Just out of spear,
1: spear spite.
0: <laughs> but so, it, it was so that was like... That, that was after, after what had been kind of a, a challenging, frustrating game uh, turned into, for me anyways, because it was... It was, you fought
1: back and you. Yeah, you, I came
0: back. I yeah. clawed, kicked, scratch. It was one of the one of the games I you know I earlier talked about second edition feeling like it's so much lo- or it seems like it goes away and it did very much in that game it went away and it was a couple of crazy rolls like that that ended up putting me in a position at all to be in a draw or like of my really officer just gunned lost.
1: down your uh, tank hunter team too in his last stand.
0: Ah, eh, that was. That was unfortunate. It would have been nice to keep a guy around from them, but I, th- I remember, right? You know, it, 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 in the grand in the grand scheme of things, it cleared them out of the way, so it was easier for True. me to kill them uh, with the other squad that had uh, rifles. So, but
1: as you're saying, you're able to fight back and get that draw, and it, you know, like the truck hadn't been able to get there or something. It actually would have technically points wise been a victory for you.
0: Yeah, it would have been like plus one battle point for me or something like that. that. Is all it would have been. So yeah, it was it was it was pretty much a true draw though. Otherwise, but it was yeah. it was really like I said, it was a freak a freak dice roll and and a couple other things. in In the in the reality of the game, I think I was in the back foot and and if and a couple of uh, the, what like crazy dice roll at the end, I should have lost. Like there. And yeah, we had a bolt action moment That's that's all I can say It was it was cool, it was fun, it was really cool And all both Sixers laughed rolled. at it too it was la- it was, Yeah, it was great
1: And is this as true for you as it is for me Because with bolt action, unlike Warhammer I mean, don't get me wrong, I enjoyed Warhammer It was a great game, good people But I feel with bolt action I feel, I don't want to say gamer face But I, I'm more likely to laugh off Stuff like that when it happens to me I have a phrase, dice happen and then you beer uh-huh. I,
0: th- I think that's. I think in Bolt Action, it's more. Um, with Warhammer, we had been playing for what ten plus fifteen years. I've been playing for ten, almost almost fifteen years for me, uh, and competitively for a good chunk of the last ten years or so. Yes, same here. Um, that it started to become like everything you did in the game was so much about uh, about. Competing and competition, and then so it was very easy to get frustrated uh, about you know, something didn't go your way, or a dice roll didn't go as expected, or your opponent rolled snake eyes on a break check, or something like that. One of these things that would that basically okay, I need you, I need this to happen, otherwise my game is wrecked, and now I'm basically out of the tournament. Kind of moments to, oh hey, not such a big deal, and then or it, you know, it, and it made that kind of everything was a little more tense. It bolt action, uh. I, I don't think I've approached any game with that level of expectation. Mm, you're trying
1: to win, but it's not that you know. Well,
0: and I think the other thing that I think Bolt Action does and mitigate that is the order dice mechanic because you can't count on you. Like I've I know I get kind of oh man I really need this order dice right, and then I don't get it and then I don't get it and I don't get it and like okay, well now at this point, well I just took the worst of whatever they could dish and I'm still okay.
1: Now I can come now back. Now
0: what now now what reprioritize so there's less time to get pent up over. Mm-hmm. I have to have something to happen like okay I've got all these things I need this I need to roll a 7 here on this charge otherwise my game is entirely over and I've done all this other strate- strategic positioning with my units for like three turns of the game. That doesn't that's almost impossible to happen and you don't have that much time that like okay we've been playing for an hour and I've done all this stuff and all I have to do is roll a 7 and I've got it. And I roll a six, like that kind of thing can't happen in bolt action be- for an hour's worth of play because you're, you're it's constantly shifting. You you, you, you it, the game is so fluid you can't sit there for more than. You know, fifteen or twenty minutes in a turn, and you're like, no. oh, well, I'm, I'm completely thinking about it, doing something else. Does, My threat assessments are cha- have completely changed and adjusted right now. It feels
1: a lot like if you're like watching Band of Brothers same Saving Private War. It's a chaotic battlefield. Things are changing in an instant, and you have to react to that. And I think that's what makes it, as you're saying, you're not getting pent up and but It makes it more exciting, I think, too. Actually, yeah, I mean, it
0: definitely gives less. It there's it's it's less of that pent up. I have to have this one thing happen and mm. I I've, I've rarely had those moments. I've had I've had moments where I've went down uh when I lose quickly. Those are the games where I'm like I have those moments where like I could shift the entire game if I just get an order dice out of the bag here early on this but turn or I get the, the first draw. But that's those are the kind the of exception. the exceptions because yeah. usually in those games I'm going down bad. I'm losing horribly. And then in that case, I've probably done a few other things or I did things in my list. That I should never have brought to the table in that kind of setup that shifted things. So
1: sometimes you just have the bad matchup too.
0: Yeah. Uh, sometimes, sometimes a little bit because there is definitely, there is definitely, I feel a, a difference between early war lists and late mm-hmm. war lists as far as the power gap and while the game is fairly well pointed um, for balance purposes, having an armor ten tank on the table uh, like your tiger, <laughs> your, like your tiger was in that game, against what is themed as really a early war list, I didn't have the tools to be able to hurt that tank. So I had to go into the game with basically, I'm going to just actively ignore it and let it do its thing. Now that's definitely something that can happen in bolt action if you're if you're doing the thematic lists thing and i think it could happen in other war games as well but it's definitely something that happens in bolt action and it was definitely something that where i'm self restricting like if i just took the soviet list as, as it is I don't run into that problem. I can take a list that easily can deal with uh, right. with T34s or or t- well yeah, I can deal with T34s just fine. I can deal with Tigers <laughs> just fine uh without a, a significant significant issue. So mm-hmm. uh, it was really just something that I was I was doing to myself that more than anything affected that. But it was it was a fun game and yeah, uh, my other game uh and uh, that day as I played against Aaron uh Filter from uh from the Northern Front podcast uh and Aaron was playing Japanese as well, and he played a, a Japanese armored tank company, which is something you almost never see or think of when you're talking about the Japanese. Yeah. And it's it was just all of these little light, like, Armor 8 couple of tanks that have, a, like, medium howitzers on them. One of them had, like, a light AT gun or a medium AT gun, and, and it was just, there was, it was, again, another matchup where I wasn't, I ended up losing that game. But I was just not matched up well because I didn't have enough anti-armor in the list Mm -hmm. to be able to deal with that much armor. And it it definitely made me think about, you know, if I'm going into an event with my Soviets and they do allow tank companies. And I have a feeling, I feel deep down in my gut with the way 2nd edition is kind of set up that we're going to see more tank wars armies allowed in bigger events. Um, because I think I think they functionally work. I I need to see the balance a little more uh, and play a few more games against tank war armies with regular bolt action armies. But I think it works more. Um, particularly the fact that I think in bolt action second edition, and I, I said about tweaks in my list. I need to adjust my list so that I'm I'm bringing things like AT guns now instead of howitzers mm-hmm. right, and, and things like that. So
1: and. I'd- my my experience at the tournament I went to, I'd agree with you. I would have swapped. If I'd known what I know now, I would have taken, the, instead of the light howitzer, I would have taken the Pac-36 light AT gun.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. So let's go ahead. I think that's that's enough kind of talking about games we did at the the game day here. Why don't we uh, go ahead and talk about Operation Sting a little bit. So, Robert, first off, what what is Operation Sting other than we we know where it is? What, what were the points and what edition of bolt action was it?
1: it they were using second edition, although they had the caveat that if you, were a play, if you were a German player, you would get the benefit of Hitler's buzzsaw on your vehicles, even if you were using the, the old German book. And that was basically you're able to do that. And so I ended up getting, I want to say it's 1,000 points, two-day event, so three and Saturday, two on Sunday. they Saturday. up to
0: 1250.
1: They might have. I'm blanking on it. Maybe they did. But I want to say it was a thousand. I could be wrong. Maybe it was twelve fifty. No, I sound weird. But uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, I remember because we, we he upped it to twelve fifty yeah. right after Adepticon because Adepticon was twelve fifty and everybody was everybody that asked uh, Brent at Adepticon to please bump operations. And twelve fifty seems
1: to work pretty nicely too. Actually,
0: you get to bring most of your toys. It's a little less rock paper scissors, I think, for bolt action at twelve fifty. Right.
1: And I was only able to go because, like, the a week before the event, like the Friday before, a week ahead of the event, they posted in one of the Facebook groups, "Hey, it's an access spot just opened up." And I said, "How much is the tickets again?" Okay, I guess I'll go.
0: So, so you got to go. You get what army did you
1: take? I took Germans because I wanted to try out second edition. I've been playing the Japanese for all, but I figured, eh, my Japanese excuse me, my Germans look a little better than my Japanese. Got a few more variety that I can field. I'll go with them. Try them out. Okay.
0: What did you bring in your list?
1: I had uh, two squads of... The, everything was a veteran. And it was two squads of vet grenadiers that had a light machine gun and an SMG NCO and maybe one additional SMG. Then I had a heavier squad, which had two light machine guns and a few more submachine guns. So they're just kind of the really gunny, fuddy squad. Two half-tracks. Uh, neither one had the extra machine gun I think I also took those as a vet um light howitzer sniper medic because I like my medics as Ben will know
0: yeah I uh, definitely medic's second edition i don't I think they're garbage but okay
1: a few other support choices I didn't take a mortar this time I'm actually shying away from mortars but I'll try and see what it's like to run without them. Oh, what other support options did I have? Blanking. Oh, I think I had a flamethrower. Could be wrong. No, I didn't. But, you know, basically your average, pretty typical little company of, or platoon, I should say, of a few squads and a few support elements. The half tracks, I like fielding. I was originally going to take the Panzer One, but I decided not to, because I was saying, I got Panzer Faust, I don't want to do mix. I wanted to go more thematic rather than competitive. So I took a more kind of early, mid, maybe mid-war style list. Not really because I had the half tracks, the squads,
0: half tracks, and and Panzerfaust would be mid-war. So mid, uh, like forty-three.
1: And I still had the Panzer Gray scheme for the vehicle, So I want to say mid, not late. Yeah. And I I know I'm forgetting some, but we'll move on from that. Um, I Don't think I took a truck, but. Oh, I had a motorcycle guy. There, that's what ah, I was forgetting. Yeah, I saw you were playing that against me too. And Al, oh, I find him to be kind of fun. I mean, it's unless I'm playing him wrong, it seems like he's not a bad choice. Not the greatest, but not bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am liking medium machine guns even more now. I, one thing, one of the changes to the second edition that I absolutely loved is the fact you can do an advance order pivot and fire. That's one thing I wanted the moment I played this game. And so I did have a medium machine gun, and holy moly, one thing I've learned from this tournament, I love German machine guns even more now.
0: Well, I think you're chucking enough dice where you're consistently at least getting a pin out of it, which is really key, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Whereas uh, before, if you're only chucking like four dice, your guarantee of a pin is still, depending if you're like hitting on fives or sixes, not real high. But you're chucking six or seven dice... Yeah, oh, yeah, your odds of getting a pin is pretty good.
1: And in that in one of the games that made a difference with Migzada half track pinning down a Bren carrier repeatedly.
0: Yep, yep, definitely. So, what did you so so you got there um what was the first scenario? So let's the, start with that. The
1: first scenario was uh d- double envelopment. I believe these are all
0: modified from the book list. Yeah, double envelopment would be from the book um so who did you play or what i should say who did you play and what army were they playing
1: uh chris paul if i remember his name correctly i played against him round one from older war so i knew i was going to be in a good game he was playing americans he had a sherman i want to say two aftracks two or three squads and the usual support accoutrements. and he's a at least i found him to be find him to be a good player and that one i never could quite get across the field to do what i needed to do and he was able to kind of keep me shut down
0: yeah double envelopment I've played this scenario in in second edition it's a very tough scenario to because you have to be both an attacker and a defender at the same time for those armies that don't have a huge number of order dice um, with elements uh, uh, to be able to do attack and defend um you can it, it can be very difficult to to do both mm-hmm. and it sounds like that's what you ran into a little bit and that that, right. does, that would make sense the way you talked about your list it's still you know it's fair, smaller elite list really with all those veterans and especially
1: since he had the sherman and while i have panzerfaus i have to get close to do anything with the Panzerfaust. whereas if i had the light at gun instead of the howitzer, i might have had a better chance of it i
0: think yeah and and God, the AT guns are just so much better. It, you, you go from a, something in first edition that nobody, never saw the table, and now you're like, well, I'll, I can fire it as an HE weapon, and it's got a halfway decent HE. You know, it's even a one-inch HE is still halfway decent in second still edition. still can get maybe two guys. And yeah. it's not, I mean, it's it's as good as a, a is it's as good as a, whatever, a light mortar. It's and a medium mortar. Yeah. only a two-inch, really. I mean, it's not that much different. And you're still
1: getting a bonus, of pen, and everything else. I mean, so- it,
0: two inch he is basically you're just about guaranteed three guys at one inch he you're guaranteed one two guys that's like right. that's it uh and uh the other thing is then uh with it you get that you, you mentioned it before if you take an advance order it's a fixed weapon you can pivot it and take fi- a minus one and fire mm-hmm. which so it means all of a sudden vehicles aren't driving out of your 90 degree arc and going haha you can't shoot me
1: Right. They're not doing the dance of screw you.
0: Yeah. You're, you're not basically making this thing not able to fire at anything. Mm-hmm. So you played, it sounds like you took a loss round one. Is that what I did was? take a
1: loss round one. I mean, and he played it well. Could be a partly matchup, but I think I do want to say it was also partly he knew how to run his list, too.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I don't think he's really changed up his list a whole lot. I think I Probably might not. have played him at Adepticon. I can't remember, but I, I played a very similar list. And. And I'm sure he's played his list a bunch. You've played, you were playing your list for the first time. Right. You get a little bit of that. So, okay. So you went down, you're 0-1, going into round two. What was the scenario for round two?
1: Key positions, which is we had a couple objectives that we set out, and then you had to control more objectives in the end. And for much of the game, I was kind of ahead. But in the last turn, he was able to kind of seize that last one to switch it from a victory to a defeat for me, but he was actually playing a home guard list. Okay. And so he had a decent number of guys. So it's just like, I can kill them and I can kill them in decent numbers, but can I kill them fast enough? Yep. And it, one of the things that ended up hurting me was I put my half track with my really, really deadly squad and I put them on out flank and if I put them on the other side of the table, it probably would have been a victory for me because I'd have been able to secure that over there. Whereas I had too many guys on the other side as it was.
0: That seems to happen to me more times than not when I play when I do something in outflank.
1: So because my my dead squad my death squad basically just comes on, hops out of the half track, and there's like a squad of like six home guard guys and two light machine guns and a bunch of SMGs just go. Burr. Yeah, they turn into liquid paste. But now there's like I got a whole bunch of stuff to hold one objective when I really need it on the other side.
0: Yeah, yep. I've I've had I've had very similar. Like I said, I've had very similar experiences when I played with played out flank. I almost to the point where I don't play out. I don't even though out available. I tend not to use it just because. I end up in that because by the time the the ebb and flow of the game, all of a sudden now that that flank that I thought I was going to need those outflankers on turns into my strong flank and now I don't Mm -hmm. need the support over there. Well, (laughs) especially since you're loading up guys like SMGs usually in an outflank position or something like that to take advantage of the fact that they have short range. Um, Yeah, it's...
1: I'll probably go back to the way I use it in my Japanese, which was I took their little car and then just threw the flamethrower team in it and it was just a flamethrower del- delivery system.
0: Yeah, even that's not like such a great thing, just because, just because now all of a sudden the flamethrowers only got what six inch range. You drive that vehicle on, that's twelve. On the you got another move of six out of it when you disembark, in a range of six. You've, you, I mean, you've got to reach out and and touch somebody range of effectively twenty four from when you come on the table, ignoring the fact that there's terrain and these other mm-hmm. elements on the table but that's still not, that's, you can't that's not shift where, if you need it. Uh, yeah. Well, you can't shift it. You can't move it. If that,
1: if it's that, usually that three it, or you four. don't need
0: it. You're well, yeah, it's at least three or four when he's coming on. And so, yeah, I've almost found that flamethrowers for me are, are more of a, I need it for defensive. So I'm playing them in a completely defensive threat role and just keeping them in reserves Till late in the game, and then just walking them on the, and then just bringing them on the board, and like pick turn off three a or four, unit with a pin or two on it. Well, bringing it on in a position like when I have an objective in near, on my side of the table, or I'm trying to keep units out of my deployment zone, like double envelopment. i will just bring it on from reserves, like through turn three or four, and flamethrower something that's close to my deployment zone or close to an objective that's in in my half of the table mm-hmm. to make sure that I can I can reduce. You know, because the flamethrower is still really good it reduces the amount of death that I have to deal with mm-hmm. uh, or the amount of striking power I need in the defense so I can go on the offensive harder.
1: Okay, I can see Not that. Not that that's
0: always worked out really well,
1: but... That's, that's something that's, to consider, it It's is.
0: really what I've... Because it's very... I mean, that it's such so hard. Flamethrowers have such a big price tag on their, on their heads. I think people are still a little bent about them from uh, first edition that they...
1: I still think they have that psychological effect on the table, too.
0: Well, I mean, they... They like we played our game. They just play my. I brought my flamethrower up. What did I do? I, I did exactly this. I brought walked in on like turn three or four. I was evaluating where the threats were. I'm like okay, well I'm really bad on this flank. The other flank I've really got. I'll just walk it up the center and I'll take the factory for certain because I mm-hmm. figured I was losing the factory. And even though there wasn't objective, wasn't an objective there. I wanted to make sure I had that key field control field because it was it was exactly it was field control. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll make sure, you know, I'm if he gets in there with his big block of veteran infantry, I'm not going to crack him out. Well, brought the flamethrower up. What did I do?
1: You toasted him. Okay, got two,
0: three pins on him. Late in the turn, pop a flamethrower on him on turn on like turn five. Unit gone, like done.
1: The funny thing is with flamethrowers, I now needing to hit against that game against Brian when we were here this last weekend, like. Both our flamethers are firing miss, 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 miss. He finally got the hit and popped at you, (laughs) and but it's like they keep missing. One of these
0: drunks. Yeah, they're not a guarantee. I mean, that's that's for certain. So we. It sounds like round two, you took a second loss. Is that right? So you're 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 now having the bottom surf, right?
1: Yeah, I'm kind of having the bottom surf, but you know, I'm still having fun. I, for me, bolt action is a joy to play. So third round, it's like you know, let's. Try a little harder this time I'm not it's not that frustrated I need to win it's like I'm thinking hey if I can win two more maybe a draw in there if I win three more I'll I'll walk out ahead I always like to have at least an even or winning record that's really my goal generally and so I see a British commando list across from me and I'm thinking this might work there's generally smaller squads if I concentrate on fire I might be able to pick off some squads and scenario wise that was demolition so, and they may have done a few changes here. So I had my objective kind of, there's a kind of like a big factory with giant, a giant barbed wire fence. And we'd ruled it. You really can't go through that fence or you, we might've said you have been able to just advance where we kind of treated it as rough because it was one of these bigger industrial fences. And so I had set up my objective behind there. So you'd have to go one way around the, a factory or another and i'd set up my medium machine gun in the woods so it's got cover it can pivot easily to cover a large part of where i need to cover i put my super squad back there so basically while everything else is on my right flank my left flank's got just enough to be a threat to him and the lighthouse can kind of see back there and shoot if he needs to if he pivots okay whereas i put pretty much everything else a little heavier on my right flank And I was able to just prevent him from advancing in the long run. And because he kept trying to filter guys in, and these were smaller squads, so if I just focused fire, i could get them down to one or two guys where suddenly even a machine gun on my hat tracks can just finish them off. And so he had kept a couple back on what, from my perspective, was my right side across from me. And towards the end, my, my fighting squad just... Started bolting towards his objective, and I immobile. had immobilized one uh, Bren carrier. He had actually built, jumped out with his squad of another Bren carrier, and I ended up being closer to the Bren carrier at the end of one turn. So it got it picked popped. up. Okay. And so you know, order dice wise, I was definitely ahead, but in the end, I ran my squad. Towards that objective, and I was just an inch short of where I needed to be. So I was pretty much playing it pretty well. It's just, just the right position because what happened was on turn five, that fighting squad had like one pin on it and needed to make an order check to get the run towards the objective. It failed. Whereas if it had been able... So he was doing effective trying to keep pins on there. If it hadn't been for that pin on there, I would have made it there and been able to take the objective and won the game. Mm-hmm. So it was a draw in the end. And it was a great game. I had a good time against the man. Then we had food that night.
0: Okay, well food's always good. Any other good shenanigans that happened? Uh, yeah, I haven't been I haven't been to a lot of two-day well I haven't been to any two-day Bolt action events that are not a definite There's of time. people
1: doing like pickup games kind of like you sometimes see after a Warhammer tournament playing various card games, little board games. Uh, there is some game they were try- doing a demo of. I don't think it was Infinity. I think it was some other game. That people are trying out. I know Stens was playing that. Out of he's from Minnesota, mm-hmm. and the guy running the tournament I think was playing that. I can't remember what the name of the game was. Didn't I was just kind of going over some things because I was what I was doing that. while just handing out. I was just really going through both the Japanese and German books and kind of taking lessons I'd learned because these were my first games of Second Edition. Yeah. Sure. So I was just kind of making notes of, oh, you know, for between the, those are my two main armies, like what do I want to do with second edition mind, and also thinking tactically so that way the next day I'd be a little better, mm-hmm. and we'd discuss some things in the books. And so I go to bed that night, I did get a hotel, I didn't want to drive between Janesville and Northbrook, which isn't a long drive, but it was worth the whatever. Yeah,
0: I, didn't, I don't. I don't like taking that drive either, so...
1: It, it was worth to get it for one night at least so I could wake up fresh the next day. And so the next day, uh, same table as Game 2. I was on that sub-pen that you've seen at some of these okay, events. Okay, yep,
0: I've seen that one. It's mm-hmm. a really cool-looking table. Oh, it's, it's a great a, I think it's a challenging table to play on, but it's a beautiful-looking table.
1: Oh, it's gorgeous. It, it It is gorgeous. It's kind of a Hydra pen, actually, is probably what it more is than a German pen. But I, can't, I want to say... The guy played against the next game, I seem to play more British than Americans, oddly. No, he was American. But I do seem to play against more British than Americans. I don't know if you've noticed this. I've seen a lot more British than I expected. So he played Americans, Marines, oddly enough. Okay. So I guess they're they're trying to take a subpen. They're Marines. Okay, that fits. And so that was Secret Intel, where we're trying to basically grab tokens, then carry them off. And keep them, it kind of capture the flag type situation.
0: Okay, yep. Um, is it was it just the one token, or were there multiple? There's two tokens. Okay, that's different, I think, than in the book.
1: So there's two. So you could end up with a draw where you have a token and I have a token. Yep. And with the nature of that sub pen, it's an interesting board to play on, and that can go great, interesting or bad, interesting. It's just one of those tables that you know it's as we were saying, it looks great, but not necessarily some of the best
0: thematic looking tables can be the while they look great and the game feels right they really just need their own custom scenario for that table because any trying to throw the same scenario at it across the board just doesn't work right
1: and i think it's the down order podcast they've talked about scenarios should be by table and at least with bolt action, I'm not entirely against that, and I kind of like that idea. Oh, well,
0: if I was going to run mayhem, that was exactly how I was going to do it. Um, so, which I don't know if the scenarios would have been balanced right for the tables, but I was going to be if, I, if mayhem would have happened, I would have definitely done that this year. So,
1: but I definitely see the argument for it.
0: Yeah, I think I think almost any tournament could be that way. It's I mean, if you're deploying two hills, a building, one weird special piece of terrain, and two forests on every table and every table is exactly the same then you then, yeah. you then you maybe have a warrant or an argument for let's keep the, let's, the we can keep the scenarios the same because everybody basically has the exact same table but when but- you have
1: some of these really cool looking things that their features like in this one the sub the actual little pen that the sub is in kind of cuts down on a diagonal across the middle of the map and if you're on that side of the table it really restricts your movement I mean granted we made agreements yeah, like the little ladders leading up to the pen you can move through those freely if you're not a vehicle we made kind of rules to make that a little more workable and it, it can really affect your gameplay which it did in this game i think i did partly win because of the map setup Now, maybe not looking back but i can see how it helped me
0: yeah well i mean that's most 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 games are won or lost by whoever manipulates the map better
1: because i i was able to choose the side that was across from that so I had more freedom of movement. So what I ended up doing was again on my right side I put actually went a little lighter this time I think I had a half track and a squad I think I had that that death squad and then the machine gun covering it ended up using the also the motorcycle to cover that and everything else went balls to the wall for the other side and very early on on my right side I was able to take that objective move up to it because he only had one squad and then a mortar observer kind of watching it. And so he wasn't really able to slow me down on that side. Whereas on that side, it was a brutal slug fight. And what hurt him was he had, I want to say it was an artillery strike that went, went miss error and put a bunch of pins on his unit. So slowed him down for a turn. That
0: sounds like an artillery strike. Yeah.
1: And so I was able to get the advantage. And although he was able to destroy one of the squads i just was able to come back with just enough force that i was able to grab that objective and then get the hell out of dodge with it and i ended up securing the victory that way so you
0: got both objectives yes oh good well good job so you get so now you're two losses a draw and a win Mm -hmm. going into round five what can you tell us about your round five opponent
1: there was an interesting mishap in the judging, but we were okay with it. I actually ended up playing my round three opponent again, but because the the uh, guy running had even when we had started the whole tournament on Saturday he said, "Look, you know, when game five comes, we kind of want play, play it, get it wrapped up," because he had to fly out the next morning. So my opponent and I were perfectly fine with playing each other. We knew we were not in the running for the top position, whatever. We let the Organizer no Just to be fair In case it's going to Affect someone else And he said If you guys don't mind Go ahead Just play So it was that British commando list again The one I drew against Okay And this was on a more Open table There was just enough Kind of ruins Where You'd get Cover But it would not Block line of sight. So you, Depends
0: you, on how you Play them But okay well, That's how
1: we were Playing it at least Okay And like There's some bigger Stuff that you could But it wasn't enough And Like it was a ninth scenario where that it was a no man's land. So that first turn, you only have like a 24 inch range where you can see. Yep. And then he had, did the preparatory bombardment. And because that first turn, he can't really see me and I can't really see him. I was able to get enough stuff off from the pins that I got from the prep bombardment that I was able to recover from that. I was almost not ineffective in that scenario which I don't know if prep bombardment with night that kind of that night effect really is a good idea personally but
0: I think that might be the way it is in the book so okay it's I mean first turn prep bombardment is I mean worst worst thing that happens if unless you have small teams on the two man teams on the board is you lose a guy in a squad here or there like right. that's that's pretty much it and I don't
1: think I lost a single guy amongst it it was just a pin or two here and there and one of the things that Interestingly helped me enough is I was able to, I fired my light howitzer on Sherman on turn two, I think it was, and got that pin on it, and he had trouble shaking that off because I was able to get, because I think he failed an order check, and I was able to get another pin on it, and like, he actually, I think went down one turn just to get rid of the damn things. Hmm you could
0: have just as easily taken a rally. No, it was a rally. That's what yeah, I was saying. It's a rally just to get rid of them because a rally you wouldn't have to take a you wouldn't have any pin modifiers and it would make just more sense.
1: I think it was a rally you yeah. did. I might be misremembering then.
0: Of course you could take it down and get the free backup move and then remove but then you have to keep the down order at the end of the turn to remove D3 so you're effectively killing it for two turns in a row.
1: And this was kind of the kill points for each one, for every enemy unit killed and then is that all it is? But I
0: think that's that's what no man's land is. And when you're
1: playing against really small elite squads like that with commandos, and whereas my elite, they're bigger squads, even though I don't have as many, that plays into my hands quite a bit.
0: Yeah, I definitely played played into it when you against my Soviets as well, because I have a lot of, I have lots of order dice. I have like sixteen order dice in the list, but mm-hmm. there's four or five or six, two man or three man teams in that list as well, which means I bleed order dice.
1: And there was a couple of moments I did play in my favor. There was like one time where I had a squad that had been really beaten up. And I want to say I got the assault off. And so he didn't just get to gun me down. So I went in and I had just enough guys where I was able to get the hits I needed to pop his squad and keep that squad alive and take out his so there's a couple moments like that too i was also because he had his Bren carriers and squads and those my half tracks since they're way back on my side even without the squads in them they're just a support gun platform at that point sure which i also like in second edition so they feel like they play like i would feel like you would see them on the battlefield that way So I was just kept firing those half-tracks at these riding carriers just so they'd always have a pin or two on them, and then the squads inside get a pin or two on them until they get up. And you get two or three pins, it really starts hampering things.
0: Yeah, that's kind of the sweet spot, I think, in second edition, is just to keep... You get too many pins... You get three or four or five pins on something... They're just gonna take a rally and be but back to the They still full are taking take, a turn. If you take one or two or three pins on something, they are chances are the player is going to try to do something with a unit that's going to be useful. Mm-hmm. And that's where they're gonna fail order checks that and all of a sudden get nothing out of it. Right. It's not enough pins where most people think, Oh, I should take a rally on this unit, but it's you know, at two or three, but it's too many pins where the likelihood of failing goes up enough mm-hmm. that they're going to fail some of those checks. And now all of a sudden, oh look, they failed and now they're not doing anything with that squad.
1: And with, as you were saying earlier, once things really started to go my way, it just kind of collapsed forward and it added to that momentum. And I was able to gain the field control where I needed to. Like at one point he tried to run. I don't know if it was a captain or a lieutenant. It was, because he had both. He had a higher level officer and, and the lieutenant, obviously. And he, It was a two-man squad, and my sniper's like, you know, I've got really nothing else good to shoot at. Takes a shot, pops him, takes out the team. And because that's when it was still kind of close, like he might still pull off a draw. And then over here, uh, kind of the middle right, he had a s- squad where, as, as you say, I just kept enough pins on him where it wasn't enough for him to make a rally. And so he would try and he didn't make the order check. So there's a couple of times where that not making the order check really just set him back on on the back foot even more. So
0: it sounds like you won this game. I did win this one. So the whole event, you went, what, two wins, two losses, and a draw. That's not that terrible. He broke even, right? Yeah. Broke even for the event. Got to go to a play Bolt Action for a weekend you weren't really expecting to play. Sounds great. Mm-hmm. And so overall, what did you think of Operation Sting?
1: I thought it was a fun event. Really good people. Really, I never saw a single grumpy face there. It was laughter. I mean, even my last opponent, when it really started melting, it wasn't so much grumpy faces, him just sitting there thinking, how can I try to eke this out a bit? Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, no, there's definitely moments like that, that 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 happen in bolt action where it's 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 like that. And it sounds like it sounds like you definitely got what I was talking about earlier in that game where it's that now that's un- unrecoverable momentum almost. Like I now absolutely have to have something otherwise the entire thing melts down. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like it's pretty much what happened to him. And and you couple that with a scenario where he was easier to score points off of. Um his squads are smaller. The fact that he takes a captain in the list, which sucks up you already have an elite army and now you're taking a captain as well in the army, I think that's I think that's a backfire for an army. Uh you know, quite honestly now you're sucking way too lieutenant. many points. Yeah, just take a single first lieutenant, you're done. You don't need right. that x ex- that twelve inch range and that extra up and at him, or up with me, sir. Kind of move. It's not going to happen that much for you. It's going to. It's it's pretty rare when that happens, and I bet you that that's probably something he struggled with the whole tournament as well.
1: Yeah, and it, I don't want to fault the guy. He was actually one of the guys I picked for my top two opponents. So I mean, he's a good guy.
0: So, so all in all, uh, you sound like you had a good time. Do you remember what you know, like who the winners were or anything?
1: Uh, John Stentz, I want to say, won best allied. I can't remember who won Best Access. I want to say my first opponent, Chris Paul, did win an award. Uh, I didn't win any award or anything. But one of the things they did that really made it nice for everybody was, you know how some of the war amateurs had that charity raffle or they have a raffle to go with it? Yeah. What they did was, based on like, your objective points, because they also had like little cards you could choose an extra objective to gain extra points. Mm -hmm. which I was playing and that helped me overall probably keep me middle of the pack. The, that earned you points, your painting score earned you these points, uh, sportsmanship votes earned you points and then they entered it into a computer. So there's no, you know, having to draw. They just had the list ready to go. Yep. And so kind of like everybody was walking away with something just about and the swag bag was really good too. You got that template that I have for all the different sizes.
0: Yeah, it's uh, basically the the a different take on the on the template system for bolt action.
1: Mm-hmm. And so, you know, like I actually won some Polish infantry because you got to go up to a table and pick. It's like you know, I got Polish from World at War. do want to get more Polish and just collect the Polish army in prizes. Well, that works. <laughs> so I mean, everyone was walking away from happy what. With- what I could see really was a lot of fun. I mean, I really didn't see any real cheese-dick list. It felt like even with a thematic list like I had, which was probably not as mean of a German list as I could easily have fielded and still be even somewhat thematic, I felt like I could still compete.
0: Well, I think that's the thing in bolt action is the the end of the day, we're, playing, we're all playing humans with rifles, right? human with rifles a human with a rifle they all die the same how well are they trained yeah how well are you how well are your dudes with rifles trained versus how well my dudes with rifles trained and then how well is my support versus your support and how well do i execute it so at the end of the day the game is very closely balanced because of that sure you said we had the early war weapons versus late war weapons The early war weapons Mm -hmm. oftentimes are not nearly as effective um at knocking out say enemy armor or something like that but overall the game is 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 great in that respect so sounds like you had a great time lots of people won stuff you walked away with some good swag operation sting i think that's something i've it's now two years in a row i've had to drop out of it it falls right around the same time game con happens here in madison which i was at the same weekend mm-hmm. i did run bolt action demos at game con i played in true dungeon at game con i had a brilliant time at game con it was great unfortunately like I said, i was kind of I ended up being obligated to do that instead of going to, going to this. So I missed it. Um, but that would have been an allied player, not an access player. So that wasn't how you got in. Uh, glad you had a good time.
1: Oh, I had a great time. I plan on going again next year. So
0: definitely a tournament you would recommend. Yes. Uh, try, I I know Brent. Uh, I believe Brent is the guy who runs it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brent is a great guy. I met him two years ago at Adepticon Uh, when I, we was still, when bolt action was just a one day, three round tournament, I ended up playing him. I think he was my first round opponent and he was playing Americans and he failed his airstrike on himself.
1: Both both
0: <laughs> airstrikes landed on him, but somehow we still somehow with that he still managed to draw And it was like the single secret objective that you carry off towards your deployment zone. Mm -hmm. And he managed to snag that early because he had a very mobile force and was able to, I misplayed the scenario and misplayed the side of the table and couldn't get to the objective because of the way the terrain was. It's definitely one of those examples of terrain dictated that table should never have been that scenario. Mm. Not to mention that scenario was also very bad in first edition. Um, But (laughs) it it was definitely a terrain effect of the, the game to the point where I couldn't, there was nothing I could have done to get to the objective faster than he could have.
1: I do like the two that they used in this turn where there's two, so you you could take one and I might take one and then we have to fight over it.
0: It makes it a little easier if you're playing with, I, you know, an open table system where I'm just going to do the same scenario that it's harder to get shafted by the, t- the scenario Whereas in my, in my in the example I'm picking up There was one, it's dead smack in the center On one side of the table, it's completely wide open Free drive all the way up to it On my side of the table, there were two buildings with a small alley between them Where you can basically get one squad at a time And feed through into, a, into a, the opponent's buzz zone Yeah, I couldn't get a vehicle in there at all Whereas he was able to drive up a truck without without me being able to because there's vehicles drive up the truck right next to it park, you know full run move next turn get out drop an infantry squad on it pick up pick it up get back in his truck
1: and then get the hell and, out and, of here drive
0: out and drive out of there and and I'm literally feeding one vehicle at a, or one infantry squad at a time while he's able to basically wall me off with another elite mm-hmm. veteran squad so yeah it was it, it was what it was you know
1: but I do like the yeah i mean i I do like that warlord seems to be listening to the community and i think the Tournament organizers are kind of getting more sense of how to tweak things a little bit just to make it a little better for that kind of Or you have a weekend where you are competing rather than the one-off games
0: yep so so anyways uh we definitely recommend operation sting it's it's in uh uh, Northbrook, Illinois. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a great venue, a great hotel. Hopefully next year, it, it, hopefully this year, I th- think he's like at maxed out for the space he can do pretty much in that room that what he feels he comfortable yeah. with. Um I I remember having a conversation with him back in the spring about potentially expanding it further and we we talked about we talked the to speak with costs and expenses and risks and there's a lot of it but I I feel like this is one the one tournament that has that potential to go to the next level to to go from like I 30 players that. to to 40 50 60 but then there's also the investment of terrain and time and blah 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 blah. you get all sorts of stuff yeah. so i hope i hope he's able to go there and makes that decision but uh you know we'll see and even more so i hope i get to go as well next year um who knows what i will be playing
1: the other tournament i i played earlier we won't go into details. i just want to kind of give a shout out to it uh it was the world at war tournament that seamus ran
0: Oh yeah, that was the, quite a quite a while ago. Yeah,
1: that was the early war theme turn where it had to be.
0: That was still first edition,
1: right? You had to use a theater selector from. You you were limited to your theater selectors, and you had to use an early war theater selector, and that was just a blast. If you haven't heard of that one, go to like the Chicago Bolt Action Group. Talk to Seamus. He's going to run that again. I think he's doing early war again, because he likes to do the set time period.
0: Yeah, no. It makes it makes things for a little more thematic, and you have a little more balance for for that. Oh, hey, mm. I'm playing my early war list versus. Oh crud! You just brought a tiger to the table. I can't right. do anything to it. But I did
1: win an award at that tournament too. I won the Hanno Swag Award.
0: Best themed. Yep. Well done. So, with that being said, and that bombshell, <laughs> toward another other show that's uh, not technically there anymore, uh, we will go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, so, again, thanks thanks everyone for listening. Uh, we've, we've talked about a lot of Bolt Action. We talked particularly about Operation Sting today uh, and, and recap that, and particularly Robert's Games and Experience at Operation Sting. We strongly recommend that tournament. So if you're into Bolt Action and you're looking for a two-day weekend getaway event in the fall next year, make sure you look for this. It sells out incredibly fast, and ticket sales will likely go up probably um, – By by adepticon he'll have ticket sales up and it would be surprised me if he doesn't have it sold out already by adepticon because last year he was virtually sold out by adepticon
1: Mm -hmm. because i remember talking about it by the
0: time adepticon's done he will be sold out and then it will be waiting list and trying to get in and i've
1: kind of written it off that i wasn't gonna get in
0: (laughs) yeah so it's 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 I, i hear nothing but good stuff about it just ends up falling at a bad time of the year for me so uh, maybe without mayhem, and though I'll, I'll have a little more flexibility there. But if I'm, I'm always, I'm committed, really committed to trying to help make sure GameholeCon Con has good stuff running at it. And and who knows what's going to happen next year for GameholeCon as far as minis. But I'm going to try to be more involved there. Anyways, let's go ahead and wrap this thing up. That's the show. Uh, again, it's November twenty fourth thanksgiving here in the u.s thanks robert for taking the time on the holiday weekend i know it's really hard sometimes when you have family and stuff to be able to take the trip up from janesville here to madison to actually record in studio at dugan's Dell studios we will go ahead and get this out as soon as i can And with that being said, make sure you check out our website at wiscodice.com. What was that website, Robert?
1: Whiskodice.com.
0: Yeah, it was wiscodice.com. Or you can catch us on all the social media, whether that's Twitter, Facebook, uh, Google+, and, of course, catch us on your favorite podcast, feed. Uh, device leave it and make sure you leave us Reviews whether that's on stitcher smart radio Whether that's on blackberry blackberry podcast Whether that's on uh, iTunes we'd love to have those reviews It helps us in the rankings helps people find the show Especially now that we're changing kind of changing formats Of the show from uh, more Fantasy and, and type event To more of a bolt action type event uh, Finally kind of got our feet underneath Us and figured out what we want to do uh, Make sure that you uh, leave those comments Because it really does help and in, in we like knowing if we're doing well, and if you have even more thoughts on what those comment areas would, fill in send us an email like tell us what you want to know or what you want to hear about us covering on the show uh, from a theme do you want to hear more tournament reports do you want to hear more hobby projects do you want to hear do you want to hear more tactical discussions or would you even like to hear some historical discussions i don't know that we're going to be the historical bolt action podcast because that's like what everybody does, but uh hey we you know you want to hear some historical stuff we'll do that too um of course we're going to talk about other games because i am a multifaceted gamer as well as my my co-host brian so anyways with that being said thanks a lot everyone for listening we really appreciate it peace out take care guys (laughs) Look! <laughs>